And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John Oh, that's right. It is time for another edition of the Wing and Podcast. And we are lucky enough to have a man that is one of the best welterweight fighters on the planet Earth right now. He is tearing it up in the UFC. The man, Bilal Muhammad. What is up, my friend? Thank you for coming on to the podcast. We cannot wait to talk to you about all of the stuff that you have been saying and the things that you have changed up. You have been on fire. We're gonna have to have John do your intros, man. Well, right? I gotta have to UFC real quick. Yeah, he's John's got that energy. That's why we always let him do the intros, man. I'll be stumbling over my words, lost, confused, going, what the hell? And then at the end, we're like, finally after like three takes, we're like, John, just do it, man. Just do it. It took us a, it took us a whole year to figure that out. You know what, John, you just do it for now yeah. on. <laughs> It's the guy with the biggest mouth. That's exactly uh, what it is. Look I at brother. You <laughs> you have been with the UFC now for about seven years. And you have and you're a great fighter, great wrestling background. You were very, very into, you know, guys were afraid to actually fight you because they knew where you were going to try to take the fight. But man, you have changed up as a fighter. I'm telling you right now, you look at this podcast, the last time you fought against Sean Brady, you looked so goddamn good. It was, I mean, you have just changed as a fighter over the years to the point where, yeah, you can wrestle, but, man, your stand-up has been on point. It has been nasty. You have been able to pressure guys into breaking them from what they do, taking away their offense just by how you have been able to up your game in the stand-up. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think it comes from, like, my level of opponent. It's whether, even when I fought Wonderboy, I'm like, the training camps are the hardest thing for us. Like, I tell guys, the fight's nothing. The training camp's the hardest thing. So when I'm training for Wonderboy, I'm doing hours of stand-up, hours of stand-up. I didn't have to use none of it in the fight because the rest didn't work. But I'm like, I'm not going to play his game for him. Like, you have so many people, oh, bro, all you did was hug him, all you did was hold him, blah, blah, blah. Why didn't you strike that? I'm like, bro, I'm not going to strike with a with a 50-year-old kickboxer, like, I can if I if I have to, but like if Plan A is working, I don't have to go to Plan B. But I feel like those training camps leveled me up. Training for a Wonder Boy, training for a Damian Maya, leveled me up in grappling. Training for a Luke, a guy. Uh, me- mentally, it changed my mindset too, because like if I like I was calling for Kamzat more than Luke, because like I don't want to fight a guy that knocked me out before. Because if you lose to the same guy twice, it's like there's no possible way I'm gonna be fighting for a title if I lost to Luke again. And, you know, you got to get over that hurdle. It was like, was that a lucky punch? Is, is his power just that good? If he hits me one more time, will I just go to sleep again? And it's like, uh, it was like, it was, I mean, it was scary to think about it. Like, but, you know, as a fighter, you got to be like, whatever, I got to go through the fire. Let's do it. And that training camp was one of my hardest ones, mentally, mental-wise. And then getting through that, I'm like, all right, I belong with these guys. That would be him. And then Sean Brady was one of those. It, that was like a personal fight. Because I felt like out of those last three guys that fought before him, Wonderboy was such a nice guy, Maya, nice guy. Even Luke, he was still a nice guy, even though he knocked me out. But uh, still, like, personality-wise, I was not. Brady was calling me out, talking all this trash. And then I had so many people thinking that he was going to walk over me. And I was like, all right. And I was more mad at the UFC that they gave me that fight. Because I felt like I, sh- I earned a shot to fight upward. And they made me fight downward again. So you talked about when you lose, right, and you lose by knockout and you come back and you redeem that. <clears throat> the thing is, though, how much – I want to go more into the psyche of this for fighters. Was it the was it throughout the camp you thought about it all the time? Was it up until the week of? Did you wipe it all out of your mind just, like, right before you got in the cage? Or was it in the cage after you got hit? Oh, man, oh, I can take this. Like, what was it that – when was it you realized, he doesn't, I can beat this guy. I'm in here. I'm beating him right now. Honestly, it was when they first offered it to me. Uh, that's when I was like, eh, you know, give me anybody else, anybody else. And then, you know, once I said, okay, I got it, I'll take it. Um, the camp was okay. I got through it. Then when it got to fight week, then when you start seeing the them pushing the fight because it's the main event. So the commercials are the highlight, oh, part two. And then they're showing the highlight of him knocking me out. And then that's when, you know, fight week, you're cutting weight. 
you're stressed out. Everybody's asking you all these questions, you know, and then you're always thinking about fight week, about the fight in general. And there's always that unknown because 90% of the opponents you fight, you've never fought before. But this guy, I, I did have a known. I fought him before. So I did have something to, to think about, to imagine. Like, dang, I got caught here. I got caught here. I got caught here. It's going to happen again. It's going to happen again. It's going to happen again. And then, you know, the Twitter rants, people, all the comments on Twitter. I had to, like, turn off my phone fight week. And I'm usually the guy that's always on Twitter. Get your mind off. They're knocking me out. And Bro, you're a must follow on Twitter, brother. I gotta be honest. You're a must follow, man. I love it. You're just, you don't, you don't back down from no one. Actually, you go looking for it. I love it. I love it. It's pretty yeah. awesome. It's like people think that it means anything to me no. when I post those stuff, but it just, that was the only one that was posting that. But now that I got that win back, I'm like, bro, keep posting it. Gives him not. Breathe it out. Yeah. But uh, before the walkout, is when you know, they show the type of run of uh, him knocking me out. That's where they like. That's when you got a little bit more nervous. But once you get punched, every thought's out the window. It's like, all right, I'm still here. I got it. And once I got that first takedown, I realized like, okay, I can take him down. He's not as strong as he, as he was. And I got past that first round because I got knocked out the first round, the first fight. So I'm like, once I got past that first round, I'm like, all right, I belong. I remember that first fight. I think it was the only fight I ever I ever refereed of yours. It, it, honestly, it was. And so I was like, I'm, 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 I'm horrible luck for you. I apologize. It was my fault. That's <laughs> why. It's all you got to tell people, dude. That was John McCarthy's fault, man. No doubt. Don't about worry, it. Bilal. It's been. It's happened to me too with him. Don't worry. Oh, dude, I, <laughs> man, I gave that guy so many wins. He would have probably had a losing record if it wasn't for me. Oh wow, wow. <laughs> I always ask the big John ever uh, referee your fight. Anytime anybody asks me that, I'm like, bro, shut up. Stop asking that. Hey, don't ask me that crazy. He's a shithead, man. He's bad luck. He's like he's like a schleprock. <laughs> no, you know, hey, it, it is. It, it's very impressive when you see somebody, because that no matter what, all the talk and everything, it does play in the back of your mind because you're, you're looking and you go, man, I know that guy got me on that night, and it's tough to look at someone that is still fighting really well. And Vicente Luque has been fighting well, and to step in against them. But when you did, it was your ability to use your stand-up to get to your wrestling. You won, I think, I want to say four of the five rounds of that fight. And it was impressive as hell because that is, and it's not only the physical part, it's the mental part of getting past that. You know, I, this guy, you know, he beat me once. And when you can come back and, and take that win back, it says a ton about your mentality as a fighter. Yeah, I tell people that's that's probably like the hardest hurdle to get over it with uh, even Rose uh, Carla and you saw how like boring it was neither one of them wanted to touch each other and I said I think 90% was the, the mentality of Carla I mean of Rose thinking that if she holds her down she got her down the first time she controlled her she tapped her out so that's why Rose was not trying to uh, initiate any of the contact or any of the striking you saw it even with this one with uh, Izzy against Pereira I know Izzy was trying to say that oh I'm all business time I'm all business time but like he was a little out of character like He's usually confident walking down. He's usually doing stuff with his hands, and I think that's when he's in his comfort zone when he does all the extra stuff. Uh, he said he didn't even fly out of his parents to this one, and he was like, oh, we're all business one. That's why. But I'm like, you got to stick to the norms and stick to what, what got you here and all those people, all those routines. And the fact that you're changing it tells me that mentally you're going through something. You're thinking about the the knockout, even though you said you weren't. Yeah, no doubt about it. It, it it's one of those things, and, and it's totally understandable. People don't understand it when they've never fought or been in that competition where it's just you and another person. It's so difficult to get past, and you've done a fantastic job with where you've placed yourself. But let me ask you this, man. Coming off of that Sean Brady win, because you dominated, and, and I know, yes, he was lower in the rankings, but you dominated a 15-0 and fighter, a guy that we both, Josh and I, we talk all the time about. He's Look, he's good. He's good everywhere. He's good in the stand-up. He's good in the grappling. He's got good wrestling. He's got the, you know, he's the whole package. So he is a handful for anyone. And obviously, he's been a handful for everyone. And you just took him apart in that fight. You just broke him down. As the minutes in the fight went on, you could just see that he was struggling and you were getting stronger. Yeah, um, that one was, I feel like, a lot of that training with the, the, the Russian. I know that you 
about what it is. So when I was when I got the fight, Steve hit me up and he said, "Hey, yeah, I could help you out, brother. Come down and train with us." I was like, "There's no better, there's no better style for me to train with than them, them guys." So training with those guys, being in a room where every single one of those guys is a monster, and they're all have the same style as Sean Brady, and literally, I think every single one of them was better than him. Like I felt with that, I felt that style, I felt that uncomfortability that a lot of guys don't feel during camps because you're with your regular team, your team, your guys are doing the same thing to you every day. You know who's the easy round, you know who's the hard round. When I went down there with those guys, I was uncomfortable every single time. And yeah, I'm, I'm cool with Khabib and everything, but like, there's not a, there's not a, hey, let's have a flow roll or anything with those guys. Everything's hard. Everything, <laughs> they don't want to lose the round. They don't want to, they don't want to uh, lose the takedown. They don't want to lose anything. Everything's to, to win every single minute. And I had rounds where they were just holding me and I'm in my guard, and I'm like, all right, are you going to try to pass or anything? But, like, I just lost because they held me down five minutes. And I, it changed my mentality of, all right, I got to start pushing right away. And Habib the whole time was telling me, like, brother, what are you doing? You're just losing. You're losing right now. So, like, the first two weeks, three weeks I was with them training, like, I was losing every single round. And I started figuring it out later on that, all right, now I got to start pushing. I got to start pushing. And it made me start faster in the Sean Brady fight. Yeah, they don't they – don't- they don't care when you're booing. They don't care what you're saying. They don't care about any of that because all they care about is winning. The records reflect it. You look at across, like who just fought? Usman just won the title, Islam. And then you've got uh, Umar. If you, got, if you look at Usman, Umar, and Habib, they're 60-0. and 0. I mean, like, the, look, at the end of the day, and, I, and John knows that I say this all the time, winning solves everything. When you get in there and win, no one's going to remember that you had boring fights three years ago. They're not going to give a shit. Oh, he's the most dominant guy. Doesn't, dude, you're, that guy's all of a sudden the champ. Your, your, your bank account reflects that. <laughs> That's, you know what I mean? So when you go with them and you understood is that just when you're on bottom, their mentalities, if they're put on bottom, they're looking to sweep you right away, cause a scramble, get on top or get back to their feet. They're not, they're not laying back to their back. They're coming after you. And if they're on top, they want you to put yourself in position. To, to jeopardize, you got to give up your back. You got to give up side control. You got to give up something to to get out from underneath them because they're just going to hold you there until you're frustrated and you're just letting it tick away or you do something stupid. Exactly. And like, if you go with like Habib, it'll be like the bell be ringing and I'm like, all right, the bell ring and he'll just continue going on. Like, all right, well, the bell ring again. So it'll be like 20 minutes straight and like they don't care about clock. They don't care about anything. And like you said, it's like there'll be rounds where a couple of the guys I'll see them sparring. And then Habib will look at him like, brother, you're a better wrestler than this guy, and he's a better striker than you. So why are you trying to strike with him? Like, even in the practice, they have that mentality of, like, do what's going to help you win. Why are you do- Why are you striking with a striker? You're so stupid. Like, Habib will call you out. And those those call-outs, I think, helped a lot, too, because that, that made me bring that back to, to my team here in Chicago, where at the end of your practice over there, Habib will like, yo, you look terrible today. I don't know what you're doing. Uh, you wrestled with this guy. He controlled you on the ground. You look like a little fish out there. You're playing on your back too much, and that's what I'm used to here. Is like, oh, let's. I'm playing on my back. I, 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 let me throw up the, the triangle a little bit, or this a little bit. And it's like over there, you throw up the triangle. Then they're gonna laugh at you. They're gonna pass your guard. They're gonna mount you. They're gonna hold you there, wrist ride you the whole time, and you're gonna feel like, bro, am I a white belt? I don't know what's going on here. I don't know if they had this before when when they were training before they came to AK. But Javier is one of the ones that. If you did, you get to hold the whole mitts for you at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he he doesn't do bells like for at least I don't. He had never did with me, and I know he didn't do it with Rockhold. I know he doesn't do it with Habib, but we don't do rounds. It's that first round's like thirty minutes long. There's no break, and so you've done a whole fight in that first round, and then you do two more rounds after that, and they they taper down. Normally the second round's about twelve minutes to fifteen, depending on how good a cardio, and the last round is basically he just tries to burn you out until you have nothing left, which lasts probably between seven to ten minutes, and then that's your that's your hour of training. That's like that. And you go and do the bike workout. I know you did the bike workout if you were training with them. It was just, it's, it's wall escapes, grinding. It goes bike, wall escapes, wall escapes. Then it goes bike. And then it goes car. And then it goes takedowns. It goes all these things. You understand. Um, yeah. just, it's oh, just, we were like, what, man, what do they do there that's different? What do they do there? That's different? Like, bro, it's just hard work. Like, they don't do nothing. They're hard work. They're pushing themselves. Uh, not like, oh, man, it has the, like this doing, doing cone drills or anything like bro it's like literally at the end of practice all right we're holding the plank for three minutes or four minutes and it's like wassets and it's like simple stuff that you did like in high school wrestling but they're just pushing you that every single day 
Yeah, there's nothing different about the training. And it's funny because a lot of the wall stuff that you'll do with them, they'll do it, say like, you know, 50%, but they'll do it for two hours. It's like they have you just going and you, by the time you get 20 minutes in, there's no breaks. It's like, no, no, we're not even working hard. This is just the day where we're both kind of run down. Let's just work on the, but it's for two hours. Like you'll be there just, you know, reversing each other, getting a takedown, trying to get back up. Guy comes back. It's, but you're flowing using the technique that, you know, different types of foot sweeps, different types of, you know, single legs to the dump, all of those things. It's all just based off of, they're not reinventing the wheel. They're just really solidifying what they do very well, very technically and just in motion, just keeping you moving, keeping your, keeping themselves moving to really slow you down. And I look, and I'm going to be honest. When I saw you fight Vicente Luque, you were off your back foot. You were fighting, you know, he was walking and you were off your back foot. You were throwing the combinations. You were throwing and then you'd circle, which was a good game plan. I'm not disagreeing with the game plan. But the one that I saw, the one that I saw fight Sean Brady, different animal. God damn, it was good. And I know, I know they're different fighters. I understand that. But you had something of a swagger in that, in that fight with Sean Brady. That just so, a lot of people wouldn't have came in with against someone who's 15 and 0 or, you know, 14, 15 and 0. They wouldn't have came in with that type of mentality. They would have said, okay, let me see what he does. Let me see what this happens. He had it. You had it. And it was just something that really, really opened my eyes on just your stand up, your pace, your wrestling, your ability to shut down takedowns as well as get takedowns. Bro, I don't know if it had to do with the training with Habib and the, and the guys there, but I'm going to be honest. Like you looked fantastic. And I know John tooted your horn, but I got to say it myself too. I appreciate that, brother. No, honestly, I think, like people say all the time, uh, I'm trying to get better. Every fight, I'm getting better. Every camp, I'm getting better. Uh, but this fight, you know, I was on an eight-fight winning streak already. And then I went and I looked for a better team. I looked to, to train with better guys. I'm training with who I consider the GOAT, with Habib and Islam, who I think is probably the best fighter in the UFC right now. So I didn't have to go out there and train with those guys because my team here, I was winning. We were, we were doing the right things, but... Like, I wanted to get uncomfortable. I wanted to grow even more. Because, like you said, even after the Luke fight, I'm thinking that, you know, I beat Luke. I beat a guy that knocked me out. I'm on a huge winning streak. But still, I don't think I was still getting the respect that I thought that I deserved. And I felt like I fought him a certain way that you had to fight Luke. Uh, unless you had that straight one-punch knockout power. Uh, Luke wants to stand in the brawl with you. He wants to uh, wants you to go uh, fist for fist with him. He'll take one and give you one. And his one's going to be harder than your one. So I felt like I had to fight him that way, stylistically and just me mentality-wise. So I was like, man, I thought I had a great plan, but I don't think anybody respected that. So I was like, this plan, I got to go out there. I got to put on a show, fighting in Abu Dhabi, fighting on a huge card over there. And like I said, I felt disrespected uh, by the UFC, by the fans. And I was like, I have to put on a show. I have to do something that's going to make them respect me. Let me ask you this. When you, when you first started training with Khabib, I heard that you had actually, you know, done rounds with him and things like that. Once you hooked up with him the first time, what was your thought? What did you think when you were actually in on the mat with him? You're not really pounding, maybe touching and everything, but you're trying to get away from him or you're trying to hold on to him. What was your first thought? Over here, man, honestly, it was kind of like, uh, man, there's guys out here like this and, it made me think like I'm not nowhere near where I need to be because he was literally on top of me, uh, controlling me, like saw, talking to somebody outside the cage, like literally as he's on top of me. He used, he used to do that during fights too. So let's just be honest. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, bro, like, I don't know if I should be dis feel disrespected or, or like feel like weak, but I was or embarrassed. Cause I'm like, he's sitting there like ordering a Starbucks as he's on top of me, uh, out to me going to side control. And, like, I'm not moving. And, like you said, the bell's ringing, and I'm still going there, and I'm like, I want to get to the point where I want to, like, I want to be like, bro, just get off me. I'm done. But I'm like, I'm going to keep going because the bell's ringing, and he's still on top of me, still trying to drown me. And it's, like, been, like, 10 minutes. Then it goes to, like, 12 minutes. And I'm like, my, my other coach, Lewis Taylor, shout out to Lewis Taylor. He was down there with me in Dubai. And he's, like, sitting outside the cage trying to tell me to, to move and give me pointers. But, like, I cannot move this guy. Like, his hips are so tight around me. His upper body still right, tight around. If I go left, he figures it out. He's like a computer. So, like, if I'm doing this, he's doing that. And it was to a point, like, it felt like quicksand. And um, it just made me realize that I still got a lot more work to do. I, can, I still have to get better. I still have to grow more. 
Um, and like I was with the right guys. I was with the right team. And I know that if if I could get through this, like there's nobody out here that's going to do the same thing that he's doing to me. And we, we talk all the time about guys, you know, guys get comfortable with what they do, who they are, and how they do it. But there's always someone out there that can push you past that point where you realize, oh, my God, I have a lot to learn. And, and as long as you're learning in this sport, you are growing and you will get better. It's when you stop learning. So my hat's off to you that you open yourself up to going with other people because I tell people all the time, man, you need to branch out at times, see what's going on out there, feel the difference because there's always someone out there that can give you a problem. And you need to find that person and work with that person. And so, and it's it, it's a humbling experience. It's not an easy thing for a guy, professional fighter, especially one like you, what twenty two and three. It's not an easy thing. Yeah, there's there's so many guys out here that like even Habib and their team. Like I had like guys like Will Harris who've been with them the whole time recording with like bro. Like we have, they have so many guys that want to train with them. Come train with them. They'll train one day, take the selfies. And then never come back again because their practices are so hard or they can't get over that ego dump of they just got beat up by a guy. They don't have no idea who he is. Like there was guys in that team where they're 6-0 and and they were taking me down. And I was like, bro, I have good takedown defense. I know I have good takedown They're holding me down. And I'm like, where do you fight for? Oh, brother, I'm 5-0. and uh, Soon, too. And I fight for Eagle FC. And I'm like, bro, what the heck? And it was, it was humbling, but also like I'm the guy, type of guy that if somebody beats me, I want to go with them again. I want to, yo, I'm going to seek you out again. Dang, you got me this time. Going with Islam is like, I'm going with the 55er. And first of all, he's bigger than me. And <laughs> anything you do in Grava, like, he has an answer for it. And, like, my single leg defense is, uh, I feel like, one of the best. And literally, like, he'll grab my, he, he grabs my ankle. And I don't even have wrestling shoes on. And he's, like, twisting me out. I'm like, bro, how? Like, it makes no sense how you're able to do that or read that. And, uh, Stop, it was yeah. a cool experience being with those guys for that long and just learning from those guys. And people don't know how, like, Islam is, like, one of the nicest guys and humble guys. Oh, so good. Habib will, like, kill you, and you'll be like, oh, could you show me uh, how you did that? Nah, brother, you just got to keep doing it. You'll figure it out. Like, Islam will at least show you. Yeah. <laughs> you got to do it. They, uh, they, all, like they all have a ton of questions. That's the great thing about them all. Like, um, like when they came to, to AKA, I was considered like the old guy. And I was, I think at the time I was like going like 29, 30 years old, but I was considered the old guy. They just call me, they used to call me like you old, like grandfather. That's what they would say. I was like, what, what do you mean? I'm 30 years old, 30 some years old, man. What are you talking about? Yeah. But they, but they'll, they'll ask you questions. They want to know. Islam is definitely one of the nicest guys, uh, hands down. One of the nicest guys. Um, and then little Umar and Usman, same thing. All of them just want to know. They just want to ask you, hey, if you get something on them, they want to know how you do it. You know, and then they, they'll feed off of you guys and the energy. I just noticed that with Islam, he's got like the tricks up his sleeves. Whereas Habib is very just, this is what I do. If you can't stop it, don't bother me. You know what I mean? Like with, with Islam, it's, He'll find ways to try to catch you in all different types of submissions. He'll find ways to take you down differently, not always the same way. He's got all the tricks up his sleeves. I mean, what are the differences that you've noticed between the two of them in terms of training? And did you have any success in any specific area? Yeah, I feel like the difference between them is like, Habib's the type that'll, like you said, he'll make you suffer. And he'll just like, I want you to give up mentally break. Like, Islam, at least would be nice. You know, tap you out. He'll get you in a choke. Or like you said, his, like, submission game is so good. Uh, he'll get you in an arm bar or a kimura or something like that. It's just, like, like, out of niceness, I feel. Like, Habib just wants you to, like I said, he'll mount you and, like, laugh and, uh, you know, put all of his weight on you. You're, you're turning this way. Then he'll just put you in bad positions and, like, he's, he's drowning you. Islam's like, all right, well, you're drowning, so let, let me just put you to sleep now. Um, but stylistically-wise, I feel like... Like I said, Islam, he does a, he has like a plethora of moves. Habib's going to push to the fence, do his normal move, step in, take you down, hold you there, wrist ride you, and control you the whole time. Islam, like I said, you're thinking that, oh, oh yeah, I got out of that one, but he still has this, this, and this that he can take you down with. And people sleep on his striking game, too. His striking is so good. So, so he's fast with his hands and his kicks. And I was like, if Oliver thinks that it's just going to be a wrestling match, he's, he's in for a rude awakening.
What were you thinking when you heard, when you would hear the media? And when I go on Twitter, I do this podcast and I was getting murdered even by my partner here saying that, <laughs> saying that Islam, Islam's, you know, striking wasn't as good as Oliveira. But I said, and I'd said it for the longest time that Islam was going to submit him. And, and I just got murdered, man, in the comment section, our YouTube channel, all over Twitter. I got fucking murdered. <laughs> it took it to me. What were you thinking when, 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 I mean, Islam had came out and said, look, I'm looking to submit him. What were your thoughts when people were like, this guy ain't submitting him? Yeah, you know, before, like I said, I, I went with Habib before a while ago, and I was able to train with him more, but I never really trained with Islam. But you always heard the stories like, oh, you got to go with Islam is better. Islam is better. Islam is a monster. And you're like, oh, no, it's just his teammates hyping him up. But after going with him, I'm like, bro, this guy, honestly, I think the best fighter in the UFC right now. Like, he's so good everywhere. And I don't, there's no weakness I see in him at all. And when when I went with him, going with him, and you're seeing people like, oh, Oliver is so good on the ground. And I was like, bro, if he takes him down, Islam is going to murder him on the ground. Islam's ground is different. And I don't care if you're a black belt or anything. Like, it doesn't mean anything to, to those guys, like you said. Like, their, their grappling is a lot different. And it's you, you really never felt it unless you've gone with them. And they're just a different style, a different strength to these guys. And when you're on the fence, and you can see it in Oliveira's eyes, even when he was on the fence and Islam just had a body lock on him, pushing him to the fence, you could see him breaking a little bit mentally. And then he just got caught with the hook, and I think that he just was done with it because after that first round, he's like, dude, I can't move with this guy when he, once he holds me. And I don't think there's really anybody in that division now that's can deal with Islam's grappling or his strength right now. Do you Before think we get on to go. your future fights, because you don't have one locked in yet. Let's talk about one that is locked in since we have Islam taking on the pound for pound goat right now in, well, I don't want to say that goat, pound for pound number one in Alexander Volkanovsky. What do you think of that fight? Honestly, it's a, it's a good fight. I feel like Volkanovsky's earned the right to move up, uh, but I just think that size is going to be a huge factor. I think he's a lot smaller. Even when you see him, yeah, I know he used to be no 240 lengthwise. Islam's a lot longer than him. Islam's striking is really good. Like I said, Volkanovski, he has good volume. He, he's, he's good at adjusting mid-fight, but he usually makes a lot of those adjustments with wrestling, and he'll take guys down a little bit to, to use his control. He's not going to try to grapple with Islam. I know he outstruck a zombie last fight, but I don't think zombie's the same zombie that he was. But I think it's going to be kind of like this fight where Islam gets a hold of him, takes him down, we really haven't really seen Volkanovski off his back, but besides Ortega when he had a couple of those hard submissions on him, but like I said, Islam gets on top of you, I think that he's going to end up drowning him and finishing him maybe like third round, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. <clears throat> he's, his stand-up is good. Islam's stand-up is good. And I don't want to take anything away from Volk. He definitely, I agree with you 100%. I've said this multiple times. He deserves this title shot at 155. If oh, anyone no. deserves to go up in weight class, it's him. This guy has done everything he's been uh, been asked to do, and he's done it beyond what they've asked him to do. He's fantastic. I look at this as it being shorter in stature. How good is Islam's stand-up? And that little rear leg head kick, it comes quick. I see the height thing being a problem. you know. And then I don't even want to get into the wrestling because we saw that, look, Brian Ortega is a great submission guy. I'm not knocking him at all. But we saw what Islam did to, to Charles Oliveira, who was the better submission guy. And look at how many times Brian had him in trouble, had had Volkanovski in trouble. Islam being the bigger fighter, Islam being the better wrestler, Islam being the better submission guy. It's not shaping up well. Now, anything can be done. You know this. This is a fight game. But when I look at all those things, that doesn't make out for a competitive fight. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be very competitive. I think Volkanovski will, will come out there and have a, a few moments but his moments would be like, oh, he landed a one-two or landed a jab cross hook. And being in Australia, the crowd's going to go nuts, obviously, for that. But Islam is, like, cold-blooded. Like, he was in the back locker room just texting people before the fight. Like, being in, a, in enemy territory is not going to mean anything to him. He's just going to be normal guy, normal fight. It's not going to mean nothing. So I don't, if the crowd's cheering or booing, he's still going to be the same guy. I think yeah. that, like you said, he's going to be able to control the momentum, control the the distance, and if the distance does close off, 
that's where he wants it anyway. He wants to grab hold of you and then he's going to control him on the ground and be an easy night. Well, let's let's look. Look, we've talked enough about the Habib and Islam, the training and all that stuff. Let's get into you, brother. Yep. Look, people were throwing out Hamza. Hamza's pushing, obviously, for the title shot. Like, he hasn't even fought at 185 lately. It's like he's, <laughs> he's asking for a title shot. And it's... No, he wants one at 185. He wants one at 170. He wants one at both. But I was like, bro, you got to make 170 at least the last fight. You got to make 170. I mean, like, you can't get a title shot after not making the weight. Um, I, I'm interested in watching him fight Colby. That would make for an interesting fight. But I also am very interested in watching you fight Colby. Yeah, I mean, for me, honestly, it's I think Hamza's kind of like in the the McGregor mode right now, where he just tweets dumb things just to get to get attention. Like he just <laughs> yesterday, December tenth, like, uh, Pereira, me and you. I'm like, bro, Pereira's not fighting December tenth, and then all of a sudden, there's a million articles on it. Like the the news people are so stupid that they'll just they'll Do I say that again. Wait, wait, the media. Did you say the news people? The media? Okay, we get it. We get it. I understand this. I understand what you say, brother. This, I get this. Go ahead. But it, it like, makes you mad. You're like, bro. For me, Kobe doesn't really make sense. I feel like if you who should be next for the, the title, it's me, either, either me or Hamza. Yeah. And I'm a guy that's calling for that fight. I'm like, yo, I'm ready to fight Hamza. You don't have to do no renegotiating. There's no, oh, I need extra money. I need this. I need that. Like, bro, I'm down. Let's go. So for, I don't know. understand why they're not booking it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they want to say Kobe, but Kobe hasn't said it a word. Kobe's. I Come on. I understand why they're not booking that fight. Let's just be honest. Man. Why are they bro, not book? Why are they not booking that fight? Bilal, tell me. Because they think I can beat him. Hello. There's a good possibility you could beat him. But for, for me, I think I've earned it enough where got to give me that you got to give I me agree. a big fight though and i agree like i said it's like i don't know what else you need for me to what else i had to do for me to earn that big fight i'm not even begging for the title fight i'm like bro i'm on a winning streak and you gave leon the title fight after being at Nate diaz mm-hmm. i beat a, a 15 and 0 sean brady and i have a better resume than leon besides the beating kamar usman and you're still telling me that i don't even deserve a number one contender fight and that's what just like doesn't make any sense to me. I'm looking at I'm looking to be honest. I can see them maybe potentially if Colby doesn't fight Hamza, I'm looking they're gonna try to slide you in against Colby because I think Colby would potentially take you over Hamza. I think he doesn't want to give that guy the shine because then it takes the shine away from him. So and then competitively, like he's like, look, I can wrestle him, he can wrestle me, we can both stand. Like I think for him, I think he thinks it's more of a competitive fight. I don't understand how. You know, after seeing your last performance, you look freaking fantastic, man. Absolutely amazing. So, but let's just say if you had to choose between the two, which one are you taking? Like for me, it'll, it'll like you said, the perfect plan for me is if, all right, if they do end up giving, comes at the the 85 title fight because then, all right, me and Kobe's the, the easy fight to make and the winner gets the, the title. Mm-hmm. But if I end up fighting Kobe, the UFC are pushing Hamza so hard that, like, I feel like they'll still give him the title fight before me. So, like, I have to go straight to Hamza. Because if I beat anybody else, they're still going to say, well, Hamza deserves it more. Even though he's only being one ranked fighter at welterweight, which was uh, Gilbert Burns. And then, oh, man, he walked through Kevin Holland. But Kevin Holland's a terrible uh, matchup for Hamza. Kevin Holland has terrible grappling. He loses the guys that uh, wrestle him, control him on the ground. So, like, when they made that fight, I knew Hamza was going to walk through him. But they're they're hyping it up so much. For me, I fought four ranked guys in the top ten, and I'd be in two guys in the top five at the time. And I'm that guy that should be the one next in line. I'm the guy that should be like, "Yo, you got to fight him to get the winner of this fight gets next." But they're still trying to say, "Oh well, Kobe fights uh, Hamza, winner gets next." Even though Kobe's only wins are against guys that are coming off losses, he hasn't beat a guy that's coming off a win out of his last five wins or something like that. All of his last five wins are against guys that have been on two fight losing streaks. When you look at the title fight right now, I mean, I'm assuming that they're going to put Usman versus Leon again. This seems to be a little bit of a hesitation. Obviously, I think Usman needs to take a little bit of time off. Not that he doesn't deserve the automatic title shot. I think he does. If they're going to run that fight back, though, probably John and I were talking sometime in maybe end of February, early March or mid-March, somewhere around there to give him give him some time, some rest. Do you think that, that should be natural? Yeah, I mean, I feel like Usman does deserve the rematch. Yeah. 
that uh, I know that he deals with a lot of injuries. He's had a lot of injuries, and then especially with that knockout. Um, I mean, if he does want to take some time off, me and Leon do have history. We were in a cage together. He ended the fight with a, a foul, and I think if he does want to fight in London, there's a huge Middle Eastern population in London. I think it would be huge for me to fight there against a guy like him. And if it's not him, I do definitely want to be on the same card as him because, like you said, if Usman going through another camp, he's even before this uh, fight against Leon, he was on the edge of, oh, I got two more fights that I'm retiring, one more fight that I'm retiring. So if you're already thinking about retirement, then you have to be going through some real pain in your knees and uh, your body for you to even think about that as you were a champion. So now losing that fight is like how, how bad do you really want to get that title back? Let's talk about that. That basically it was a round that you were in there with Leon Edwards. I mean, the the foul happened early in the second round, and you were unable to continue. And it, that I was glad to see that you were smart enough to say, "Man, I can't see." Because if you can't see, it's hard enough dealing with a great fighter with two eyes. When you can't see out of one, even though you want to continue on, you're you're putting yourself in a position to lose the fight. So I was really honestly glad to see that you said, "Man, hey." You didn't. A lot of guys will sit there and they know they can't see. They're going to go through it. If you can't see, you can't see. It happens. But you, what did you learn in that one round of time that you were in there with him, as far as what what he does well, and where now that you have you know looked at it, where is it? Do you think that you could actually take advantage of what he does? Uh, I mean, yeah, like you said, honestly, it was one round. I tell people all the time, it was yeah. like that fight on two weeks' notice, coming off of a fight, and. That was my first main event, so you don't even realize how much extra more pressure. A main event, like they are, they had the old oh, the media coming out there. I'm like, bro, I got to train for this fight. So, oh, we got to do this camera, this, this, and this. They got to do the build up, this, this, and this. And I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. But, like I was calling my boy Anthony Pettis, and he's like, yeah, do all that, just be prepared for it. And I'm like, oh, okay. And you just didn't realize. And also, uh, fighting for a guy, like you said, he has he hasn't fought like two years before that, so you're like. What kind of fighter is going to come into this fight? So you can watch his old tapes, but you're like, it's two years off. Maybe he's going to bring something different. But being in there with him, I feel like advantage-wise, I had the strength advantage. Uh, we had a couple of moments where he had like a double underhooks on me, and I was able to reverse it off. Uh, he landed that head kick, but like I said, people could, oh, man, he was killing me. I'm like, bro, he landed 16 strikes, and I landed nine strikes. He landed a head kick, but I didn't fall. I was still standing. It wasn't a 10-8 round. Um, and... People could say what they want about the, the eye poke and this, this, and this, but uh, I've had a, a detached retina before, and when he poked me in the eye, I literally thought I was blind. And, you know, when you, when you, when you're, if anybody's ever had that surgery before, you know, doctors, yeah, I don't think you should fight anymore or anything like that because, you know, it's a, it's a serious injury. Yep. So literally I thought I was in there and I was blind because I couldn't see anything for probably like 30 minutes. So I had to <clears> – <throat> Fight. I had to say I couldn't see anything because I literally thought I was done. Uh, look, it's so yeah. It's amazing that Michael Bisping fought for as long as he did, basically with one eye, because it it throws everything off, especially when you're used to, you know, being able to see out of both eyes, and then all of a sudden you can't see out of one. Your perception, your speed, everything changes in that fight. It just it's not an easy situation to deal with or to get through. Yeah, people don't understand it. Like, say what they want. Oh, you did this. You cried in the and blah blah blah. And I'm like, bro, that that was my moment. That was my my first main event. That was that was. You never think your first main event's gonna be like that. And for you, never want to fight to end like that in general. And you're like, man, I disappointed so many people. I did this. You you felt like you lost, even though it wasn't a loss because you didn't really get to show anything in that fight. And you still had four more rounds to go. So. Leon could sit there and play the try to play the narrative like, oh, well, all the other four rounds would have went this way uh, because you saw how I did the first round, and then now well, they might have, they might have, and, yeah, and then, they might not have. Exactly, with him against Usman, but well, Usman was killing you for four rounds, and you won in the last thirty seconds. So I guess things could change in the last thirty seconds. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. That's the best part about MMA, man. It, it, anything, it's anything that happened in the past. Hey. It's there's so many, and this is why you, to me as a fighter, you've improved so much based upon you used to be where people looked at you as a wrestler, a guy that would come in, take them down, maul them on the ground, use good ground and pound, 
and wear them out and get your win. And you have now increased that, which makes the fight so much more difficult for them because now they have to deal not only with your wrestling, but with a stand-up game, with a cardio game, because that's the other thing I want to say. You are now using your cardio conditioning as a weapon. You are pushing the pace on guys. You are making them fight at a pace that is just not comfortable for them. And when you can do that, you can push guys over that cliff to the point where they can't maintain it and they just start breaking down as the fight goes longer. Yeah, I, I started realizing that and started learning that to use that more because I was always a slow starter. But like I said, after this Brady fight, I was like, I wanted it to be a five-rounder. The UFC would not give me that five-rounder. I was like, bro, let me get a five-rounder. I thought that, that was where his weakness would be. We saw in the Kiesa fight where he started dying down in the third round, and they wouldn't give it to me. So I'm like, all right, well, I guess I got to start pushing it earlier, faster. And I think that did nothing but help me more because I feel like I could still push that pace for five rounds. And there's not a lot of guys out here that can do that besides like maybe a Kobe or an Usman. But a lot of these guys will start breaking uh, with a pace. A lot of guys lose fights based off of cardio. Yeah. Oh, yes. I want to talk to you something about something a little bit off topic is, you know, Connor kind of came in and started this whole thing with, you know, the super fights and the jumping weight classes and kind of the whole, well, basically like everything's about me on the social media. And then the, it, then the UFC kind of followed suit with it and just kind of built it up. They gave him, you know, some handpicked opponents. He did well, performed well, but I'm seeing a little bit of a trend now. And not that these guys don't deserve it. I'm just simply like Hamza, right? They're kind of doing the same thing with him. They were trying to do it a little bit with Kevin Holland before he he had his loss, his losses. Okay, but then they now they're doing it with Hamza, and they're kind of doing it with a little bit with Sean O'Malley. Both of them have a pretty big following. Both of them are, are living up to the the hype and the expectation. But do you see do you see the sport kind of going in a direction that may kind of derail it from its its uh or build it up more? What's your take on that? Yeah, I feel like we just live in a new era nowadays where it's the social media age where who got all the hype right now? No, whether there's guys out here that have been grinding, earning it, there's still those guys out here that come in. They're a new hot thing. For some reason, the, the, the world just gravitates toward them. Mm -hmm. Hamza came in and I feel like right away the UFC saw something there. They, they can make anybody want a star, I feel like. And... They could just push the machine behind them, and whoever it is, they can't. So I don't know how they pick those people, but like if you're if you're talking about me, like if I'm being like uh, with no ego or anything, like I feel like if they wanted to push me, like I have a personality, I know how to talk, uh, I, I'm winning fights. Like, why don't you want to push a guy like me? But hey, I'm not gonna be jealous. I'm not gonna be oh, well, how come he gets this and I don't get that? Yeah. I've, the hard rate every single time. I, got, I had to build myself up, uh, take the long road, and I knew it was going to take the long road to, to get here, and I knew that in the end it was going to help me and it's going to make me appreciate it more because my coach, like I said, Lewis Taylor, shout out to Lewis Taylor. He was a PFL middleweight champion, but he never got a shot in the UFC even though he was like on a 10-fight winning streak and he had like 10 first-round finishes in a row. And me growing up, him as my coach, I was like, bro, if he's not getting – his shot in the UFC, there's no possible way I'm going to get my shot in the UFC. Yeah. So seeing how, how it took him and him just keeping that same mindset, like, bro, it's going to come. Patience, 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 patience. Yeah, jeal jealousy of other people's success doesn't get you anywhere. And, then, exactly. you know, and, ju and just being focused on what you're good at. And like I said, winning solves everything. Just keep winning. That's the biggest thing. I just wanted to know your – I wanted to get your take because everyone in the beginning when Connor was coming up, oh, he doesn't deserve it. I mean, I was kind of on my way out when he was coming up. So it was like, yeah, sure, let's fight, whatever, you know. But it was, it was a feeling of he's getting all these fights that cater to what he's good at. Whereas Hamzat's good all the way around, you know. And I also think O'Malley's good all the way around. I mean, I think the evolution of the sport since Connor had done it uh, has grown a lot. You've got a lot of the Dagestani type wrestlers that are in there now, top level wrestlers too, American style wrestlers are coming. Bo Nickel, these are guys that are coming in. And just having a different level of wrestling and also using their cardio like a weapon. I just wanted to get your take on, do you feel like it's good for the sport? Or do you feel like it could potentially kind of bring the sport backwards a little bit? I mean, if these guys keep winning, then it's good for the sport. Like, yeah. any attention to the sport is good for the sport, I feel like. So, it's not like they're just bringing in scrubs or guys that don't have no fighting experience at all. Yeah. Like you said, 
Ellie's living up to the hype. Hamza's living up to the hype, even though, like you said, they're getting favorable match. Well, Hamza's getting favorable matchups. I don't think Sean O'Malley is, but the fact that he beat Peter Yan, I yeah. think that's that. I don't think that was a favorable matchup. I thought that it was a tough matchup for him, but he showed up. He showed that he can fight, and he showed that uh, he can win. So he lived up to the hype. Yeah, I didn't want to. I didn't want to get into the whole whether Sean O'Malley had won the fight or not won the fight. But what he did show me though. Bilal was that he is a fucking fighter through and through. That guy showed a lot of grit in that fight. He jumped huge in the rankings just to fight somebody like that. Everyone, honestly, up until uh, Aljo had beat Jan, he was considered to be unbeatable. Everyone was afraid to fight him. That guy, when Sean O'Malley, he took the shots from him. They thought he was going to wilt when he got hit with some shots. The leg kicks, they thought he was going to get wilt under that pressure as well. He showed that he's a fighter. I was a fan before. But man, he really won me over in this fight. Yeah, honestly. And then meeting him personally, like he was such a cool dude too. He was like a humble dude there. And everybody, like you said, oh man, once he gets low kicked, he has a weakness for low kicks. And I'm like, bro, like you really you really think he's that soft that he's gonna get low kicked and just like fold. And yeah. so many people were saying that, mentioning that, oh, when Jan gets him down, he's gonna out grapple him. When Jan hits him once, he's gonna break. And like he proved a lot of doubters wrong, haters wrong. And he looked really good. His footwork, I think, is one of the best uh, in the UFC, all UFC. Him and Edison, I think, have the best footwork in all of UFC. Yeah. Well, we, jo Josh and I talk all the time, and you get to see it because you go around at times. At times, you work for the UFC on the desk, giving some you know insight into fighters and things like that. How often is it that you look at someone outside of the UFC and you look at these guys fight? Because we talk all the time say, man, there are studs everywhere, and it's kind of like some of the ones that you're working out with, you know, when you were in Abu Dhabi. How often do you see guys? You go, oh my god, that dude is really good, and no one knows who they are. A lot of the time, man. Uh, even uh, with the guys I train with, with the guys that are even at Bellator right now, like Rafael Stas, before he got signed by anybody, I was sitting there like. Bro, how is nobody signing this guy? This guy is literally going to be a champion. He's I got so him good. signed. I got him signed. <laughs> You're the one who got him signed? Yeah, I, dude. I went I went to him and I said, dude, who? why are you not fighting? He goes, "I get, help get me signed. I said, okay, you got it. I went right to him. I said, why are we not signing this guy? Look at this. is what he's done. Boom, boom, boom. I said, yeah, that's someone we'd like to sign. All of a sudden, he was signed. No way. Wow. That's, yeah, that's really good. Yeah. It's like his, his personality, his, his oh. everything is so good. Like. He brings so much energy, and I'm like, bro, this guy is a star. How come nobody's attaching themselves to him? But now people are starting to see it now, and I think they're starting to realize what they have on their hands. Well, the, the guy sells the fights. I mean, that's, he sells, he does the marketing. He understands the entertainment business, and then he goes out there, and he puts it all on the line. The guy, I got to be honest, like he's like, oh, you think you're going to out-wrestle me? When he fought Magomed Magomedov, I was like, man, he's got a tough task. I thought Magomedov was going to be able to take him down, control him from the top position. He didn't get takedowns. He couldn't get him down. And the transitions that which Stotts was on the feet or on the ground was really good as well on the feet. Yeah, I, I told even uh, Ali, my manager, uh, he manages Magomed. And yeah. he was, we were talking about that fight beforehand. And he's like, oh, yeah. I was like, oh, my boy's fighting your boy. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's going to be a hard night for him. I said, bro, you don't know who, who he is. He's, <laughs> he's a monster. And um, he's a guy that like I could roll with and he'll give me hard goes. And, like, yeah. I, I want to go with him because he's, like, so strong. It doesn't matter how light he is. And he doesn't really cut a lot of weight either. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, his strength, his technique is one of the best that you go with. And he's another guy that wants to learn. He, he, you show him something, you hit him with something, he wants to learn from that. And that's what's so great about him. Yeah, he's fantastic. Let me ask you this because you trained with him. You're from the Chicago area. Danny Sabatello, who he's fighting here in two weeks, is from the Chicago area. He's got really good wrestling. How do you see that one going? I don't, I don't think his wrestling is going to be good enough to mess with Stotts. I think Stotts is – the wrestling Stotts is way better, I feel like. But the striking, it's another level. I think Stotts' striking is just way too good for him. His power is going to be way too much for him. I think that he's going to finish him on the feet. Uh, Sabatello is going to be shooting a lot. He does have good cardio. I feel like he kind of has like a, a Kobe type of a style where he just wants to throw just to get inside of you and shoot and shoot and shoot. He'll shoot 10 or uh, 15 times, but Stotts' is grappling, his jiu-jitsu, his takedown defense is going to end up breaking him. And I don't think Sabatello's had that fight where mentally you're like, I hyped it up so much. I talked all this trash, 
but I can't back it up right now because I cannot move this guy. Stats is like a brick. You're you're like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm my hands are locked underneath your butt. I'm not picking you up. I'm not taking you down. And after that last, last knockout he had, I think that's going to give him just more confidence mm-hmm. to to let his hands go more because I don't even think that we've seen uh, all that he can do in the stand up eyes inside the cage. You know how you say, man, people in the practice room are different than him in the cage, and that's what you want to do is try to bring what what you're doing practice to the cage. I don't think he's brought that yet with the striking. But I think now that he had that knockout, he's going to start bringing it and showing it more. Damn, you see that, Josh? He's like you. He's a homer like you, man, with, with Islam and stuff, man. He's just, he's going with his guy. Hey, when you Hey, when you know, you know, baby. When you know, you know. That's how this works. You brought up Ali. Um, what what is, what is the connection, you know, with him and the whole Dominus crew with the fighters? I know that some of the, sometimes they have to fight each other, you know, and it's got to be an awkward situation for a manager to be dealing with, but that's the way that that's the way this business is. But what is it? What is it? The connection with with him, along with all the other guys, and how you guys all intermix? What what makes it work so well? Uh, I think that because he doesn't make it about business. I think he makes it more about brotherhood, family. Like he'll sit there and call you, and you, my, I had a manager before him where like if he's calling, I know it's about. Yo, you have a fight or something coming up. Ali will call you to, hey, how's the family doing? How's your mother doing? How's this? And it's a little thing, but it means a lot because it just shows you that it's not about I'm only using you for the money. Because 90% of fighters, you don't need a manager because all of us are going to say yes. You call us with a fight, we're going to say yes, no matter what. So for a manager, they're going to get a percentage because they get a call from the UFC and they're the middleman and they call us. And it's not like they're doing anything special, but with him, he does that little extra stuff, I feel like. And he makes it more of a brotherhood. And also, like, when I fought Luke, he manages me, he manages uh, Luke, and he manages Gilbert Burns. And before that fight, where he was like, all right, brother, who do you want to fight? And I was like, I want to fight Kanza. And he's like, well, okay, but Luke and Burns can't fight each other because they're, like, best friends. So he said, pick one of those two. And I was like, bro, that has nothing to do with me. Like, we're not boys. I want to fight Kanza. <laughs> And he's like, uh, okay, brother, how about I put you guys on a three-way call? I said, bro, we're not like, what do you mean put us on a three-way call? Like, I don't, I don't know. If they, I don't care who they want to fight. I want to fight the biggest fight, and then yeah. uh, we ended, eventually ended up getting Luke. But even with that fight, like, he wouldn't call us. He wouldn't uh, tweet about the fight at all because, like, it hurt him a little bit more that we're fighting each other. And then after the fight, he called me. He said, hey, brother, I'm gonna take Luke out to dinner. I said I was gonna take the loser out. Uh, to dinners, but I just want to let you know, no matter what, I'm so proud of you, blah, blah, blah. Like, don't think that I'm yeah. uh, shying away from you, but like, it's a hard way to manage it, but I think he does a really good job of managing it. Yeah. It's hard. You got to be personable with everyone because you want to keep the peace, but you also want to make sure that both of them understand that you're still there to help them grow, you know, as a manager. That, it's hard. And you want to respect the family, the family values as well. And everyone, and everyone's so much different. You know, different cultures, different families, different ways they present themselves. So, I, I you know, I've met I met Ali a long, long time ago when I was training with Frankie Edgar for the Benson fight. I went out to help Frankie uh, train, and I was like, "Man, who is this guy? <laughs> he just he just talks so much." But then, as I got to know him more and more through Frankie and some other guys, he's a nice guy. You know, he's a really nice guy. So, and uh, you know, he still still likes to talk. He likes to talk about. <laughs> about submissions and you know and grappling and all these other things but hey he's hilarious man he's a he's a funny guy i was just saw him in chicago at the fights and um what i love is and maybe you can tell me about this in terms of the training regiment when you were with like uh habib's team everything like that because this in chicago i walked into the weight room around 10 o'clock at night you got little umar you got usman you got little umar and you've got uh islam uh, mamadoff he's in there and then you've got abu Bakr. And you, Manap, you got Abu Bakr in there as well with Ali and some guys. They're at 10 o'clock at night training. They're on the bike, sweating down, like getting after it. Tell me about this training schedule, just period that you normally would do. And then the one that you did separately for them. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was cool because everybody's in the room working together. So like normally when I'm training in Chicago, I'm training at, uh, in the morning at 10 a.m. And I'm training again at like 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. But in between, I would do like, some sort of jogging or like you, whenever you have a fight, you feel like you haven't done enough. So like, I'll get home and I'll be like, man, I feel like I was sitting down for like three hours. I'm going to go jog or I'm going to go uh, lift weights. Going with them guys, their morning practice is so hard. And that first week I was like, you know, I still need to do something extra. Um, 
afterwards. So I'll like, go hit a jog after the practice. And then at night, we'll still hit another session. And, you know, we're doing weights. We're doing this. We're doing that. And we'll have guys, yo, let's, let's get some grappling in. And I'll be like, bro, I thought we grappled in the morning. But they're still grappling again at night. Uh, and it was just a lot harder on my body. So, like, I couldn't – I didn't want to do that extra stuff that I would normally do myself. Yeah. And – I was still doing the right thing. I was still in the best shape that possible without having to feel like I needed to do that. And another, like one thing that Islam taught me was like, take your rest days. If your body doesn't feel right, take your rest day because you're going to end up getting hurt. You don't want to waste the practice because yeah. you go to practice and you, like I said, you training with those guys. You feel if I had a little injury, um, like my thumb got pushed back really hard, but I was like, I don't want to look soft in front of these guys. I have to show up to practice. I have to man up. I have to do this. And you know, bro, you're hurt. You're gonna waste your practice. You're gonna get hurt yourself even more. So take the rest day. Take the rest day. Uh, that was one of the biggest things for just having the confidence to be to take a rest day because I'm never a guy that rest. Speaking of the things you didn't want to do or you did, you didn't mind doing, but then getting close to the fight. Talk about basketball, please. <laughs> Tell me about basketball. Tell me, <laughs> uh, bro. Honestly, it was one of those you're like, man, I can't wait till we play the basketball game. Uh, but I'm a guy that plays, I'm from Chicago. I love basketball. That was my first sport. I was like, I'm gonna make the NBA, this, this, and this. I would tell my family that all the time, uh, going with them. I'm dribbled the first time. All of a sudden I get grabbed, thrown to the ground. They take the ball. Islam's like yelling at me, brother, don't dribble. Don't dribble. I was like, what do you mean? This is basketball. He said, we don't dribble. I was like, I was like, all right, I go for a layup. I get pulled down. I was like, so this is what we're playing now. All right. So yeah. you figure it out. It, it, we, and we played every week. It was it was fun, but it started getting closer to the fight. Oh. And I'm like, man, are we still going to be playing? I hope we don't play basketball. You see them pull out the basketball uh, again. And I was like, all right, if Islam is doing it, I have to do it because he's fighting for the belt. If he's playing, if he's fighting for the belt and he's doing it, like I can't look soft. Uh, oh, but it was good. so fun. It was it was definitely you. You don't want to play with them if uh, you're soft. Like oh. it, it'll make a man out of you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now what what you got to do is i heard you had a, a basketball game with cormier and cormier brought some some of his guys that you know and, and he's he's bragging about beating you so just go go to go to the new style of basketball that now that you become accustomed to uh, bro like we gotta have that remax cormier talked all this trash i was in there hold it hold it stop Hill. stop stop hold it cormier talked trash <laughs> you're kidding it was the, I, I like messaged him and I was like, "Yo, we're, we're gonna play basketball tonight." And he's like, "All right, play at 10 p.m." And I was like, "Bro, who's gonna play basketball at 10 p.m?" He's like, "Oh, I gotta go to the Michael Jackson Circus Olay, so just wait for me." And I was and I was thinking he was gonna cancel the whole time. I was like, "There's no way he's gonna come." And he's like, "Bring your five. I got my five ready." And I was like, "All right." So then I hit up Jamal Hill, Derek Brunson. We had the Schmo playing with us, Brendan <laughs> Allen. So we're all fighters, and yeah. he comes in there with like five foot five dudes. Five foot four. And I'm like, who the heck are these guys? All of a sudden, they're so fast. They're hitting shots, three pointers. And we realized that they're college basketball players. Uh. But Cormier <laughs> pulling out his money, $500. Which one are you, you guys are making money now? Let's play for $500. So uh. then Jamal Hiller betting on the game. Cormier got his own YouTube person uh, recording it. And I was like, bro, <laughs> all right. This, so this is what we're doing now. So that now I realize what Cormier is going to bring to the table. So we got to get this rematch for UFC 282. If he mans up and takes a, the challenge, Jamal Hills just got a fight right now. So he said he's still going to play. So I got a lot of fighters ready to play right now. Randy Brown just tweeted out like, yo, I'm down. Let me into the next game. Let me into the next game. <laughs> so any fighters out there that are good in basketball, I don't want to, I don't want no more freaking guys that don't know how to play. Like uh... Buckley came to play with us. Dude had no dribbles, no coordination. <laughs> and I thought, bro, we lost this game right now. <laughs> Hey, but he'll catch a kick yeah. and throw a spinning back to it, a spinning back yeah. kick to your face to the dome, bro. Let me just tell you a couple stories about DC. He is the biggest cheater that I think I've ever met in my whole life. This guy will cheat beyond no measure. When you see all the videos online of him, you know wrestling with the guys, he'll like, hey, get this, get this on video, get this on video. He'll take you down. He'll 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 just he'll just take you down when you're not expecting two two he'll start yelling two two like as if you got it. If his guy is losing, like say he's got one of his guys that's wrestling and they're losing in takedowns, he'll no 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 that's out of bounds out of bounds drag him back no start on the feet start on the feet. 
The guy's on, like, guy's got the two takedown. He's like, no, no, no. Start on the feet. Start on the feet. And you'll have him and Habib and Islam and all of us yelling, Kyle Kretschmer, everyone yelling. No, no. And he's like, no, no, I got money on this. I got money on this. Just throwing. <laughs> he is a nut, man. But I got to be honest. Is he not so fun to be around? He's like one of the best guys to be around. I worked at desk with him once. It was like the, the funnest experience yeah. ever because, like, he just makes everything just so nonchalant and he's so good at it even with his commentary where he's he doesn't like you said even he's not nervous about it he makes you not nervous about it like for me it was still like my beginning stages of doing the commentary for it so like you're seeing all these cameras and everything but just like being with him he's, he's like your boy that you've known forever yeah and it was just so cool nice nice well, I'm hoping that you get a fight here coming up. Is there anything kind of whispered about or anything like that? I mean, you don't have to tell us who. I'm just saying, like, are you guys in dialogue right now to potentially have something coming up by end of year or, you know, early next year? Uh, I mean, uh, they're talking about Camaro against Leon on the March card, so I definitely want to get on the same card as them. And seeing now that uh, Gilbert Burns just got signed to fight Neil Magny, I think mm -hmm. that stuff's starting to shape out with who's going to be fighting who. Um uh, Kobe still nowhere to be found. Masvidal said he wanted to fight in March. So there's names out here, especially if they, they're talking about Kobe against uh, Tamayev. Masvidal's a guy that, all right, I'll fight the money fight against Masvidal. That makes sense, to be honest. If they, put Ma they put Masvidal on that same card. There's the Leon Edwards. So if, if Usman falls off, they might want to try to slide Masvidal in there. But if it goes the other way around, would you fight Usman? Oh, yeah, for sure. I would definitely fight Usman. He's a, a guy that, like, I wanted to be the guy to, to beat him. So he's a guy that I've always watched all the guys in my division. And Kamara Usman, you know, being the guy that was a champion for so long, you you always watch him. You start studying him. You want to watch these guys. I've studied every single one of these guys already, and I, I have a game plan in store for every single one of these guys uh, if I do eventually fight them. Nice, nice. All right, my man. Well, hey, man, thank you so much for coming on. We want to wrap this up with you and brother. Like I said, we have to put you on like a on a circuit where you come on every <laughs> other couple of weeks. You got you got plenty to say. And if you guys don't follow you, what's your what's your uh, Twitter handle and Instagram handle? Appreciate you, brother. Uh, follow me on BullyB170 on Twitter and Instagram. And then you have you, you're doing your podcast still. Yeah, yeah. Every uh, Thursday night, not this Thursday Thanksgiving, but yeah, every Thursday night we have a podcast slash game show every Thursday night. Hey, if I can have both of you guys on it, that'd be a good one. You can have you us on it. anytime, anytime, anytime bro. Oh, for sure. I, I would love to. Fun one. Now you guys are being competition. Nah, it's not fun with it, bro. He, this guy can't beat me. John loses every time we do anything, dude. Like, we, we, we. It we, is look, so you, embarrassing how often he Bilal. says something like this when everyone knows he loses every time. Bilal, Bilal, just, Jesus. just we, we do this thing on Bellator. We go toe to toe right before the main events. I win almost every single time. <laughs> he got lucky. He got lucky with the with the. I picked uh, I picked Corey to beat Nemkov. I thought Corey was gonna be able to do it, but. You know what? John got lucky. You know, the sweat got in the way. Corey couldn't get in deep enough on the takedown. He was a sweat. <laughs> Who do you got in the rematch with Logan Storley? Ooh. Boy, that's a good fight. Storley against Amazon. Amazon is a stud. People just don't realize how good he is, but and Storley's wrestling is, is transferred so well. Uh, that, yeah, I, it I really that, Storley. His wrestling is so good. Uh, oh, yeah. I went to Sanford. I was like, bro, Jared Gordon. Uh, he was like, bro, you got to go with Storley. And I'm like, all right. And I was like, bro, his wrestling, just his transition from this to this to this. I'm like, bro, he's a monster. Yeah. yeah. It's the real question is the five-round fight. Yeah. And the fact that, Am look, Amazon has been away for a while based upon, you know, he was fighting in the Ukraine and stuff. So that five rounds really changes the whole landscape yeah. of that fight in what could happen. It's a great fight. Because they've already fought. I don't know if you know Yeah, that. yeah, I watched they the, already the fought. first one. I was about to ask, who did you get the first one to? So I gave the first one to Amosov. It was close though. And when they gave it to Amosov, I was like, okay. But then when they, you know, and I told, I told Storley too, I was like, it was close. It was close. So I, I didn't care either way. You know, when you're, when you're not really in the game anymore, you're like, it doesn't bother me either way. But at the end of the day, Amosov stayed, you know, he's, he was the champ. But I look at that fight in a five round fight. Storley was coming on the third a little bit and was landing more of the cleaner shots in the boxing. Yep. And I, and he was having success. And so I was like, look, in a five round fight, that would change, obviously. But could. it could change. This, this is going to be a fun fight because I think the first three rounds, they're going to be like two little ferrets on the ground chasing submissions, getting after each other. Logan's going to try to get on top of control. And Amosov's going to create all the scrambles to try to get out with submission attempts and then get back to his feet. And lay the hands where he where I think the difference lies 
Logan Storley has gotten so much better on the feet since their first fight. He can actually afford to try and sprawl and brawl and keep this thing on the feet a little bit like he did with um, Gracie. Nyman Gracie. So if he does something like that and just gets the takedowns kind of towards the end of the round to solidify his chances of winning the round, outstrike on the feet, which he'll have a tough time with, I think, early. But if he gets a takedown or two early, then goes to striking and then slows him down where his striking is not as good, and then go ahead and get some takedowns towards the end of the rounds going into the fourth, fifth, and going into the third, fourth, and fifth, he could potentially steal this fight. It's going to be a good fight, though. People are, people are, don't, don't overlook this fight. This is one of those fights that would be very technical all the way around. Yeah, yeah I'm excited for it. Like, like you said, Storley stand up looks so good in that Gracie fight. And people are, oh, well, he didn't use it against MVP. I'm like, bro, you're not going to strike with MVP. You're not going to strike <laughs> no. with Wonder Boy. I'm like, you had to fight ever. these guys a third way. But people are just yeah, so you gotta f- clueless. People don't understand. Like, when you fight someone like Steven Thompson, you've got to fight him a certain way. Same thing with MVP. You have to really be very disciplined. You can't get uh, you can't get distracted with, oh, I can stand a little bit. No, no, you can't. Yeah, and MVP's huge. I didn't realize how big he was. But I met him when I was in London. I was like, bro, he's... He's huge. I was like, how the heck is he Yeah, yeah, he's hey, big, well, man. It, well, one of the one of the things that Logan talked about, Logan said, you know, I, I talked to him about the fight for a long time, and two of the things he said, John, I've never ever faced anyone that fast. I mean, he goes, he moved it, and I was like, how the fuck did he get that close to me? Yeah. And and the other thing was, he goes, his hands were huge. <laughs> he goes, he was. He was wrapping his arm, his hands around my wrist. I couldn't break free. I'm yeah. like, how in the hell? You, you got to be inside my glove. And I'm looking at it and I go, he's not. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, you know, he, he is a, uh, as far as physically, MVP is very big. Like at my weigh-ins, I would always try to shake the other, my opponent's hands to see how big their hands were. Because I have small wrists, I have small hands also, but I have small wrists, and guys would just be able to wrap their hands. Like Tony Ferguson, when I fought him, he wrapped his hand all the way around my wrist to where his fingers would touch. Oh, wow. I do that with I do that with MVP. He wrapped his hand all the way around my hand to where like you really couldn't even see that my hand was there. Wow, no way. That's... I mean, yeah. So when when you're fight, when you're trying to get a takedown, he gets wrist control and he breaks. That's because he's got hands like Hasbullah. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a gun! Uh, he ain't lying though. He ain't lying, bro. Uh, he ain't lying. So hey, Bilal, we, we want to tell you, man. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for coming on the show. We will definitely go on your show anytime. For everyone out there, I hope you enjoyed this interview with the man, the guy who is starting to tear up that welterweight division in the UFC. For everyone out there, thank you for tuning in, and we will see you. Appreciate you guys.